I'm so glad that you are here today. What is that wet stuff outside? I haven't seen that much here in Southern California, but I am so glad that you're here, especially because of the particular message, because what I want to talk to you about is this, that, that I, I deeply believe that God never intended for any of us to live the Christian life alone. He didn't mean for us to live the Christian life alone, and that's what I want to talk to you about, and those who can't be here, tell them that. Uh, what has God done? Remember when Jesus was leaving, he said, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to give you my spirit who will dwell within you and among you. So, so a part of this is God knowing that he had made us in his image. I mean, God who's always lived in relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yes, I don't understand it fully either. One God always in this loving relationship of three persons. He made us so that what's not good is when we are alone so that when Jesus left, so that we would know the presence of God in our lives and in our church families like this, he gave us his Holy Spirit. But sometimes, because we still don't live in that unrestricted presence of God where we see him face to face, sometimes you and I just need a flesh and blood brother and sister <laughs> to come alongside and sometimes exhort us, and sometimes encourage us. And so within neighborhoods like this one here in Pasadena, in the San Gabriel Valley, our Father has chosen to, to plant uh, local gatherings of his family, local churches like this one, like Lake Avenue Church. And, and a part of the reason is that God knew what, what I've experienced in my many years of living, that one of the most difficult human experiences is loneliness. Do you agree with me when I say that? I mean, there are a lot of things that are hard about our human experiences. I mean, anxiety is, is, is challenging and shame, dealing with guilt. But I am telling you, loneliness is such a hard thing for us to endure because of the way God has made us. And you don't have to be a Christian or a churchgoer to know that. Uh, so many books that are written now are written about that feeling of isolation and loneliness. So many television shows and, and many, many movies have that as the central theme. And the one that, that came immediately to mind was this movie that was made back in the year 2000 called Castaway, starring Tom Hanks. Do any of you remember that? Uh, in it, I already won applause for, for that. This is good. Uh, Tom Hanks played this FedEx executive named Chuck Nolan, who was so busy with his work that he didn't really have time for deep lasting relationships, and, and in the beginning of the movie, he, he rushes out of a family and, and gathering and, and with his uh, girlfriend and left because he's always so busy. He was on the FedEx uh, jet when a, a big ocean storm hit. Some of you remember this, and, and the plane crashed, and what happened in that is he ended up spending three years of his life on a deserted island in complete isolation. Now, it had been a FedEx plane, so a lot of the, the packages that were on the FedEx plane came rolling into the, uh, uh, many of you have seen this, right? <laughs> came into the deserted uh, uh, island, and he would open them up, and one of the packages had a volleyball, a Wilson volleyball, and when he opened that one, his hand had become bloodied, and when he touched it, what was left with the print was eerily like a human face, uh, even with, with hair on it, and so he gave it a name, what else? Wilson. Uh, so over these next many months of loneliness, Wilson became his constant companion. So you just see it. I can see myself doing it. 
Uh, he, he talked to Wilson. He laughed with Wilson. I mean, when Chris is gone, I do this with our dog, uh, Baxter. <laughs> he, he cried with Wilson. He shared all of his fears and hopes. He even had Wilson talking right back to him. And finally, he came to this realization that he was probably never going to be rescued from that island, and he was also able to get the resources to build a raft, and he built a raft to try to get off the island, but he had to put Wilson in that prominent place on the raft, and uh, then another one of those waves and storms hit the ocean, and, and Wilson was catapulted off of the raft. I wasn't going to show this to you, but I, I just, you have to experience this. I, I'm just going to tell you this. W when I watch it, I weep. I'll try not to this today. But I think this is going to help us get into the love of God for us and why he's given us one another. So let's look at this for just a moment. God has made you and me to have open, honest, ongoing, constant relationships, both with God and with one another. Um, Genesis 2, the relationship to God that's been broken. You and I need to have a relationship with God. But, but God has also made us to be in relationship to one another. And one of the things that strikes me so much about the New Testament is that the Bible describes so much of our relationship to God being tied together to our relationship to one another. In fact, it, it tells us that we can't really even say that we love God unless we love for one another. And one of the things we most desperately need once we've come into right relationship with God is to have deep relationships with people who are also committed to Christ. And, and a part of the reason why God has placed this church right here in this neighborhood is so that we can have these kinds of relationships with one another. And I'm telling you, one of the most basic, and if you're visiting with us today and, and we're not the place, one of the most important decisions that you make after you've given your life to Jesus and you've, you've been brought into a relationship to God as Father, one of the most important decisions you ever make is whether you'll make a commitment to being meaningfully engaged in a Christ-centered community, uh, which is what we want Lake Avenue to be. And that brings me to this fourth message in this series of messages. In your uh, worship folder, you'll see we're calling it Part of Something Bigger. Uh, we started, I, I tried to point out, our Father is doing something big in this world. He sent his one and only son to begin it. And, and what, he, what he is doing is he's doing a work that when he's done, he promises everything in his created world will be new and right. A, a, a reign of, of justice and peace will be there. And not only will everything in the world be what it's supposed to be, but you will be and I will be too. And, and local churches are to be those places where God furthers that, that work in us. So that uh, Pastor Jeff Leo, a few weeks ago, do you remember? He said that what God wants to do in your life is to make you complete in Christ. And, and you ask, how is he going to do it, taking us from where we are to where we're going to be? And he gives us his spirit who empowers us to be set free from sin and, and to become what he'd have us to be. And he, he operates his power of the spirit in a local church like this where he tells us not to forsake coming together and to be involved in one another's lives. So I'll tell you, I believe so deeply as your senior pastor that for you personally, the reason why this church is here is so that you can become complete in Christ, mature in Christ, what God would have you to be. And, and how, how do you get connected to a church like this so that that can happen? Well, last week we saw we've got to worship together. 
It's not easy for us in our consumerist world to worship together because we would rather just sort of like to be with people just like ourselves. But no, no, we worship together. But today we're going to come back to a text that tells us you've got to, do not forsake coming together as so many are trying to do. We're going to come back to that text and see that he's not only talking about our worship together, but that in the life and the relationships of a church, there have to be places established where we get to know one another and correct one another and pray for one another and help one another. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. We call it uh, grace-filled communities where you can grow. The, the big gathering that we have here and then places where we can actually be involved in one another's lives and stir one another up and encourage one another. So let's just think about these for a minute. What does the Bible mean about community? And, and, and I want you to look at a phrase in verse 25. Do not give up, and here's the phrase, meeting together. Meeting together. Uh, the word that the Hebrews writer, whether it was Paul or someone else, uses is episunagogen. Listen again, epi-sunagogen. Does that sound like synagogue to you? Remember the Jewish writers of this? Sunagogen, synagogue. The synagogue, the word simply meant a gathering together to be with. A people called together to be with. And, and it not only means that we come and sort of sit in the same vicinity of one another, but it also means this withness of getting to know one another and loving one another and being connected to one another. So I've put it one way, and I've noticed when I put it this way, nobody seems to respond to it. So Pastor Tim Keller says it differently and maybe better. So I'm going to show you both of them. Here's the way I put it about a church community. There is a world of difference between people being in vicinity of one another and people living in community with one another. See, you have, I've got two nods there, kind of blank expressions here. So let's see if Tim Keller's better. Here we go. He says, a congregation is more than an aggregation. It's going to get better than that. I'll just show. Here we go. An aggregation is like a bunch of marbles in a bag. A congregation is like grapes organically connected to one another on a vine. So I'll show you. A, a bag of marbles. And a bag of marbles, you can be close to one another. But there's no organic connection. When you go out, you just kind of roll out in whatever direction you want to go. So, so you can, if people say, what does Pastor Greg think this church should be? You can say, well, I know this. He doesn't want us to be a bag of marbles. Does that help you? On the other side, I mean, and using the image that Jesus uses in John 14, Pastor Keller says, we are more like a bunch of grapes. Uh, because every grape, even though it's this, they're distinct from one another in a sense... In another very real sense, they have a, an organic connection to one another on the vine. So, bunch of grapes, that, that's what we're to be. So, a church community isn't simply a, a group of people who come together like you might on a Friday night for a concert. You know, you just come and you enjoy the kind of music you like or a sporting event. Go and watch a football game or a basketball game, and then you just go out and go your separate ways. No, 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 we, we are brought into relationship by God himself. We are held together because we are connected to him. As Jesus would say, I am the vine. And you get to become the branches, or as Tim Keller says, grapes. 
So according to the Bible, that's what a church is, a community. I call it a, an unexpected family where we have that, that blood relationship to one another. It's not just a place where you show up on a Sunday to get inspired or, 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 or to be taught, though that surely must happen. But, but things have to happen in the life of the church where we actually can grow together and have life with one another. You take an individual grape off of that vine, eventually it will just wither away and dry up and die. And the same thing will happen to you and the same thing will happen to me. So in a church, we have to have a place where we meet together like this. But, but we need smaller places. And, and at Lake Avenue Church, we talk about small groups. You heard both Marvin and Tyler talking about that. Sometimes it's our mid-sized groups, like our adult classes. Many are meeting right now. The tendency many times in churches like ours is maybe it's because when you go to church, we always say, well, this is what you do in a church. You sing songs, and then you take an offering, and then, then you hear the sermon. So sometimes we've turned our mid-sized groups into just another gathering doing the same thing. But what the Bible says must happen in those groups is, is that we get connected to one another and do life together. So that, that brings me to the question is, what is it that we have in common in this community? And I want to show you in verse 19 this phrase. Here's what we have in common. You and I, we have confidence to enter the most holy place. But it's by the blood of Jesus. See, the very word community means something that you have in common. And what we find in the Bible, what we're told is, you and I have been rescued by the blood of Jesus. Now, to get this, some of you are new to church, others could do this better than I. Book of Hebrews takes us all the way back into the Old Testament before Jesus. And before Jesus came, God established a people, the people of Israel, through whom Jesus, through whom the Messiah would come. He kept them separate from the rest of the people. And so even there, the children of God, the people of Israel, they were unable to enter in to the most holy place with God, the holy of holies. Instead, there was a curtain that was there. Only one person could do it. It was the high priest, and he, had, he could only go once a year, a Yom Kippur, because God was holy and, and, and people were, were sinners. But then Jesus came, and he bore the punishment for our sins. So that now when our faith is in Jesus, when the blood of Jesus shed in our place has cleansed us from our sins, we have the confidence to enter right into the holiest place and know the holy God as our Abba, as our Papa, as our Father. Brothers and sisters, that's what holds us together. So, so now when you think about that, here, here's, we gather here to worship. Here's what holds us together. We all know that we have sinned, so on our own, we have no personal access to our holy God. Hebrews 10, tells us that there is guilt in our lives. We've got to be cleansed from sin, so we know this. But what we are professing today is that we now have access to God. We who have sinned, we're declaring, we know God. We talk about a personal relationship with God. We have it. I have it. That's what draws us together. But it's only through faith in Jesus, the one who shed his blood to bring us to God. And thirdly, when we gather then, we have nothing really to be proud of in, on our own. 
And in fact, God is just doing a work in us. Not one of us is yet perfect. But I tell you, we're headed in a direction where God's going to make us right. We have a certain hope. Do you remember my message earlier, uh, a few months ago, about biblical hope being sure, resting on God's promise? You and I have a certain hope that God is going to keep his promise to make us complete in Christ. He's going to bring us to completion. And as uh, Hebrews 10, 24 puts it, so when we gather, this holds us together, we hold unswervingly to this hope we profess because the one who's promised it is faithful. See, that, uh, that's what we have in common. So the result of this is if Tim Keller is right and we should think of ourselves as a bunch of grapes, we should be an awfully humble bunch <laughs> because we know it took Jesus' death to rescue us. That all of us who belong to God through faith in Jesus have these things in common. But the question when we gather in a worship service is how is God going to take us from where we are because we know we're not there yet, right? To where we're going to be. Last fall, I had a whole series saying he gives us his Holy Spirit and promises he'll set us free from sin and, and remake us. But I'll tell you, the power of the Holy Spirit operates within a community of people who are walking together, and that's what the church has to be, which means that in humility, we engage with one another, but with confidence, we confront one another. It means that we never self-righteously point our fingers at people, but we have to be what we're calling grace-filled communities, where we understand when people fall short. We don't give up on people. We call people to a new way of life. And when we see one another walking away from the way of life that honors God, we call people back again and never give up. Now, now you and I know that churches are, are criticized for not being these kinds of communities. Sometimes, especially a big church like this, uh, we come in and say, how do I ever connect with people like that? And sometimes it, people will say it has an awfully corporate feel like that. Or, or sometimes people have said, sometimes in churches, I think that you've forgotten that you're just rescued by the blood of Jesus and you're not yet complete in Christ. And so you come across as being self-righteous, just scolding at other people and telling everybody else how they are wrong. All I can say to you is this. Uh, to the extent that that is true as us as a church or any way that I preach to you as your pastor, I am really sorry because that's not what the church is. We've been rescued by the blood of Christ. There is no other organization in the world like this where a whole group of people have just acknowledged there was no hope for me apart from the blood of Christ. But there is hope because of the blood of Christ. Come and join us. That's, that's what the church must be, and that's what I long for us to be, and that's why I say what we have to become more and more is a grace-filled community where we're connected to one another, and we keep walking together until God has finished his work in each of us and all of us, till Jesus returns, and we stand without blemish before our holy heavenly Father. Hallelujah. Now, for that to happen... What, what needs to take place in the life of our church for us to really be a grace-filled community? I think God is already doing so much of this among us. I, I'm so encouraged by it. But there are several things here in this Hebrews 10, especially verses 24 and 25, 
that I want you to get hold of. Two phrases. Let us consider, what, one, how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And let us consider this too, how we may encourage one another. So both of those things. We've got to be a place where when we gather, we, we, we think about, Lord, how do we get from here to there, even as a local church? So we've got to consider. And the, and the word that he uses there is stop for a while and think about this. Say, Lord, we see what you're going to do and that we're a big part of that. We've got to consider what you would have us to do at our church to get from here to there. And when we consider, we're going to consider that we have to find ways to spur one another on and ways to encourage one another. So I, I wrote down three things I'm praying about. I want you to pray about these with me for us as a church. Number one, I think for this to happen, we, we have to know one another well enough. We might not know all the thousands of people who come to Lake, but you have to know enough of us well enough that we're able to speak into one another's lives. Again, and the word consider means to stop and to think and to reflect. And so I see the Bible telling us to establish places in our church family where we actually can get to know one another personally and then open up our lives to one another, uh, trust one another. It takes time to do that, doesn't it? To trust one another enough to say, this is what's happening inside uh, and seek counsel and prayer. Now, this kind of openness isn't easy for many of us. Some of us try to keep things inside. I've heard that women are better at this than men. Women, I thought I would get more amens. I've heard that in general, women communicate better than men, though I'm sure women, you can hide things too, right? And I've heard, I've been told, uh, that the younger generation, millennials and so forth, are better at this than baby boomers and above. So, women better, millennials younger better. And so you have a senior pastor who is a man who's a baby boomer. So this is really hard for me. So I have a good excuse. I don't have to open up my life to you, but the rest of you, you have to, it's too hard for me. <laughs> See, I can make that excuse, but an excuse is all it is. Because it's always clear to me in the Bible, and I've talked to you about this so many times, that the thing that keeps us from growing toward this love and good deeds that we read about is hiding things. And so we need to get into places where we get to know one another enough that we open up those things. And sometimes people will see what we're trying to hide and call us out on it. Now, th this kind of uh, knowing one another, it dare not become just this self-righteous scolding. It can't be that. But I'll tell you, it happens in so many ways if you've experienced it. Sometimes we just need guidance about a real difficult situation in our families or in our workplace for a relationship small group is a place where we can talk about that. Sometimes just practical things. You're not sure how to put together your, your family budget or your personal budget so that stewardship, like the Bible talks about, can actually happen in a good way. And to have somebody say, how do you do this? You say, it's walking together. It, it is living together. A community like this gives us a place to air our victories and our struggles, you know, our successes so we can rejoice together. That's really fun. And our failures as well. And it's always a place where we can help one another 
move more toward Jesus than we have been. That's the first thing I'm praying about. We'll get to know one another in some setting well enough to do life together. Two, when we get to know one another, we have to love one another enough that we're willing to say the important things. I mean, even, both encourage and exhort to say those important things to one another and hear that phrase, spur one another on. That is a strong phrase. Equestrians here, you know what that phrase is about. It is about riding a horse, uh, and you're on the horse, and you have spurs, and, and the horse is going to go into a place of danger, and you dig in those spurs to say, no, you're not going to go there because I don't want you to harm yourself or me. <laughs> and in the same way, that's what this word is. It is us seeing sometimes people uh, that we love in the church walking in a way, living a way of life that we know will damage them or their families or their marriages and loving people well enough and saying, no, 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 that can't happen. So again, for that to take place, uh, there has to be enough trust to allow us to be open to what's real inside. So I think small groups take time for that trust to be established because there are certain things that shouldn't be said that we're wrestling with in the whole larger group where we don't know people, but in a small group where trust is established, that's needed. We always need that humility that I've talked about so that it isn't just this one thing, I'm perfect, you're not, let me tell you what you have to do. It, it means we have to respect other people enough that if they say some hard things to us, we don't just become defensive and, and refuse to receive it. it. I'll tell you what, it takes courage to speak into somebody else's life when I know I still have a lot that I need to have spoken into in mind. Do you know what I mean when I say that? Sometimes I think when I'm perfect, then I'll speak in. And no, the Bible says, no, no, no. When you see something in a brother or sister, speak to them out of love. But I think it takes the love for people to say, what I see is I think you're not living in a way that will bring you closer to God. See, in these places we, we flourish. And, and, and to be able to get into a person's life to say, hey, I sense that you have a grudge against somebody. You've got to forgive. I, it looks to me like you might be making some decisions that might lead you to be sexually unfaithful to your partner or to your future partner. I've got to warn you, you've got, you've got to turn back away. We, we need a community where we can be spurred and where we sometimes can spur. So I'm, I'm praying that we'll know one another, to be able to speak into one another's lives, that we'll have the love to be able to do that. And then three, thing I'm praying about. We, we must be ready to walk alongside one another in the midst of temptations, in the midst of trials. And in verse 25, we're not only to spur one another on, but to encourage. The word that is used there is parakaleo. Paraclete, um, word used for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, that when the Holy Spirit comes into your life and mine, he says he's going to settle in and he's, he's not going to give up on us. And in the same way, brothers and sisters, we've got to come into a church where we'll make that commitment. That's what the membership class this next Saturday is about, a commitment to that body, that when the, that church family or individuals or the whole church seems to be so imperfect, you just say, I'm going to leave. Uh, and we can do that here in the United States because there are a lot of other churches we can go to. But I, I, I'm telling you this, when you come into a, a commitment, we've got to stick with one another uh, and let, let that working through the difficulty have its what James would call perfecting work. If when there is a difficulty, we just give up and go somewhere else, 
Those things just continue in the body and and in your own life as well. So so I'm praying that we will make such a commitment to one another that we're going to walk together and call one another to Christ no matter what takes place because just like Jesus doesn't give up on us and the Holy Spirit doesn't come and then leave, so too for us to become what God would have us to be. We need to come into this body and not forsake gathering together in community, but walk with one another until Christ has finished his work in and among us. I'll just tell you, never give up when you're a brother or sister in Christ. I I love what I see in the Bible. Jesus never gave up on the sinner who came and wanted tomorrow to be different from today and yesterday. I read, I read about him, and he always would offer hope. To whom? Uh, prostitutes, you remember? Luke 7. Uh, tax collectors, Luke 19. Lepers, Luke 5. Even a thief on the cross. And to you. And to me. And that's the way we as a family should treat one another. Um, What I'm going to do right now, because you've listened to my voice for a long time, is to ask Pastor Jeff Madison to come up. Pastor Jeff and I have been praying so much about these things. You can probably sense that, can't you? We've been praying so much about this. Jeff, bring us home, see if we can make this thing down to earth and practical and get ourselves into these kind of communities. God bless you, brother. I just ran down from high school where I just finished, so I'm a little out of breath, but we'll do it. You know, I think, and I heard the message last night, and Greg and I have been talking all week. I think there are two kinds of people in our room. There are some of you who listen to all this, and, and you've got it covered. You're, you're already experiencing these grace-filled communities. And yet I know this. I know that as I have been here for so many years, so many people come to Lake Avenue Church because they've had painful experiences in what should have been a grace-filled community. And there's something about our size where you can remain anonymous, where you can heal, where you can just kind of be. And we are grateful that you're here. But our vision is that you heal not in isolation, but that you heal in community, the kind of communities that Greg has just challenged us with. And so at a moment like this where it's just so clear, you're either living this way or you're not, We have to recognize that to take the next step sometimes is a scary step. And and all we want to do this weekend is just provide you the next faithful step. Because growing in community takes time. It takes time to be vulnerable. It takes time to meet people. It takes time to feel comfortable. But what would our next faithful step look like? And so we've transformed our lobby to help you take that next faithful step. And so by going into the lobby and talking to the leaders that are out there and the people who are representing these tables, you are not signing up your life for the next year. You are just walking to the lobby and learning more and taking that next faithful step. One of the areas out there is our small group ministry. And you think about Lake Avenue Church as our center place. We have tables of small groups that meet north of our church, south of our church, east and west of our church at different times throughout the week. And so you can go there and learn about those groups that are eager for you to come and to join them. 
We also have a table that talks about our adult class fellowships, which is a, a big part of Lake Avenue Church history. Some of those fellowships are starting, are going on right now. Some of them happen at 11 o'clock, mostly happening on Sunday morning. Many of our adult fellowships connect by life stage, but not exclusively. There are great intergenerational groups and groups that, don't, that aren't centered on a life stage, but they're out there to tell you more about them as well. We also have ministries for these grace-filled communities that connect by gender, and so our women's ministry and our men's ministry are out there with different options about when they meet. If all this is overwhelming to you, Pastor Roger Bosch and Pastor Steve Morgan are starting uh, something called our, our midweek small group experience. This is a new thing we're going to do where they're going to lead a group of people who, who want to learn more about small groups and why we, how this works and how to connect in this way. And our dream would be that out of this midweek experience that they'll be leading right here on our church campus that new groups will form from it. And so Pastor Steve and Roger will be back there to talk to you if that is something. If you can't find a group that sounds like it's a fit, you want to start a new one, please go to our midweek small group experience. And again, if all this is overwhelming, Pastor Walter and his team will be in the lobby to help navigate you. Again, this is about taking just the next faithful step. And beyond those formal opportunities, we just also want to encourage you that it's no accident where you're sitting in this room. And many of us sit in the same place week in and week out. And this morning... Maybe just connect with the people around you too. We did this a few years ago, and I'm already still hearing stories about relationships that started because a group of people who sat next to each other said, let's go, let's go have lunch today, or come over to my house sometime, and let's just be together outside of the worship experience. But let's continue to step and to grow. As the worship team comes up and we sing one more, will you join me in prayer? Father, thank you for Lake Avenue Church, for your faithfulness to us for so long. God, thank you that a hallmark of this church is that we are a church that knows how to do life with one another. And so, for so many people, what Greg has preached this morning is such an affirmation of the choices they have made and the lifestyle they have already uh, begun to live. But in this moment, God, we pray for those in this church who are lonely we pray for those in this church who really don't have these grace-filled communities uh, that, that we have been talking about this morning. We pray for them, Lord, that there would be just the next faithful step being taken today by going to the lobby or by filling out the Connect card in front of them. God, that they would grow and that they would find deep, meaningful friendships, the kind of relationships that we've been challenged by today. God, for those of us who are in communities, we have heard from you this morning. And oftentimes, we mess up vicinity and intimacy. And so we pray now for all of the communities that are part of Lake Avenue Church, that they would grow in intimacy with one another and intimacy with you, that we wouldn't just be people who, who are around each other, but a group of people who change one another into your likeness. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.